listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. This is episode 53. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars, and that's what this podcast is about. Guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener submitted emails. I will read the questions and Eric will try to answer them. We've got a lot of great questions this episode. Uh, what, are, what are the questions about here? How to get out on your own. Start, oh, yeah. Start teching on your own. How truss rods affect necks. How to repair truss rods. Um, we got a guitar horror story to... Uh, to try and help this guy out. Mm-hmm. Fret tools. Yeah, so a lot of good questions. We'll get into that. Um, if you don't hear your question, there's a few reasons that that might happen. I was just thinking about telling you this because sometimes I get a repeat question. We're getting to the point in the show, you know, over 50 episodes. Sometimes I get a question submitted and I think to myself, yeah, we've already done that. And usually I will email you back and say, thanks for the question, but we've already covered that. Um, If you didn't hear back from me and you didn't hear your question, it may still be in the hopper. I've got a backlog of questions I still need to get to, so your question might still be coming. Sometimes somebody sends me a question and I just answer it in the email. And uh, I don't use it for the show because... I don't think it's going to be uh, that interesting for the show, even though it was a legitimate repair question. Right. So sometimes, you know, you just never know. Sometimes they fall through the cracks, sometimes whatever happens. But there is a backlog of questions that I will get to. So uh, Keep sending them in. Yeah, keep sending them in. I, I do need more questions. As you may have noticed, we're doing this show less frequently now. So at the end of last episode, if you got that far, you heard me tell you that we're going to do the 1st and 15th of every month. Like a paycheck. Like a regular paycheck. And you guys earned to hearing our voices. Yeah. You earned it. Um, We were doing weekly. It was a bit much. I'm really busy in my shop. I, I barely have time to do all the things I need to do. So... We're going to dial back the podcast just a little bit. You know, we used to do it monthly, then we did it weekly. Now we're going to do it fortnightly fortnightly indeed um one of the reasons i'm so busy it's been a whirlwind around here i gotta tell you tell me why the my local newspaper in idaho falls the post register right yes my local newspaper just a small town sixty thousand people uh they did a, a piece on me they called me up and said eric you got kind of an interesting deal here. Let's uh, get an interview. So they came out, took a few pictures, interviewed me about my guitar repair and building business and how I moved from Seattle to here and how I'm doing repairs from all over the place. People are sending me repairs, not just not just local to my city, right? Right. And uh, I thought it was just going to be some back page, you know, interesting tidbits from around town. They put it on the front page. And it wasn't just on the front page, it was the it entire was the whole front, page. front page. It was like, <laughs> it was like, uh, uh, you know, like D-Day or something. It and was like a 
Yeah, the crazy thing is there was there was a shooting in town recently, and it just was like a small blurb in the corner, and Eric was the full front page. I know. It was insane. It was like down in the corner, it would have been, man lands on moon. Right. <laughs> but the full page is me, and then uh, it must have, I don't know, it got, it got some people's attention because then other papers started picking it up. The Seattle Times reprinted it. They reprinted it in Boise. Yeah, the Statesman in Boise. In Spokane, Washington. I don't remember what that one's called. Salem, Oregon. I think down in Utah. I got. I've been getting calls from Utah, so I assume it. Wow. It showed up down there, maybe Salt Lake. I don't know. And uh, a paper back in Illinois picked it up. I don't even know why. Yeah. Like why? Why does Illinois care? <laughs> anyway, the point is. Uh, my phone's been ringing off the hook, which is good. Two-thirds of it really hasn't been business-related. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. When something like that happens, I've been getting a lot of calls from people like, Mr. Daw, we uh, here at Headlines in the News uh, make a business of framing your newspaper article on <laughs> beautiful mahogany wood and... Okay, thanks for the call. I need to get back to this refret. You know, people trying to sell me stuff. Right. People just wanting to wish me well and saying congratulations, which is all great, you know, but it's been, anyway, it's been overwhelming. Anyhow, the podcast is uh, really a big part of all of that. And I just want to thank all of you listeners because uh, you guys have helped me to make the move that I wanted to make. I moved from Seattle to, to my hometown in Idaho Falls, and uh, the podcast is a big reason why all of that happened. So thank you. Thank you for participating. And if you want to participate in the show, submit a question. You can do so by calling 757-774-8482, or you can text that number, call or text, or you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and submit your question there, your question or comment, and I'll use it as part of the show. Uh, we've got, uh, we have a call wow. for this episode, so let's do the call first. That's another thing. If you are having trouble getting your question in, call us, because yeah. we hardly get any calls. Yeah, your call will go to the front of the line, definitely. Let's take a call. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Uh, great podcast. I've learned a lot. Uh, I'm an amateur repair and uh, setup guy here in the Philadelphia area, and um, I've, I've learned a ton. Uh, I'm from Idaho, too, uh, so uh, keep it real there. Um, uh, two-parter uh, today. Let's see. So uh, some advice for the person who is complaining about uh, their neck-heavy guitar and neck dive. Um, I always use a wide suede or uh, rough leather-backed a guitar strap. Uh, the, a lot of people use the nylon straps that are cheap and slick, and especially those that are made out of the seatbelt material. Uh, those have no grip, and they'll just slide and let your uh, your guitar neck dive. Um, if you use you know a wider uh, leather or suede strap that tends to grip your shoulder, uh, you know where you know whatever clothes you're wearing, um, I find that that helps a lot. Uh, so let's see. Second part. Um, this was a shower thought from this morning. Uh, is it a valid repair technique to swap the worn frets on a guitar with the unworn frets on the same guitar? So, for example, on an acoustic, the first three frets might be worn out uh, because of, you know, playing cowboy chords and all that kind of stuff. But the last three frets might be completely fresh because you never play up there or down there. Uh, so why not swap them? Uh, this strikes me as a, a way of doing a kind of a spot repair that's less complex and less, you know, detailed than uh, having to have, you know, fret bending uh, tools and, and, and st wire stock and having to figure out the radius and uh, the length of the fret and everything. Um, and I was just wondering if that was a, a valid technique or if that's something that should be avoided. Uh, thanks a lot. I uh, hope you guys keep the podcast going. Love the show. Look forward to every episode. Bye. Great. Thanks for the call. That was a... Uh, he had really good audio. I know. It was very nice. 
I've got to figure out a way. I've got to figure out a way to do interviews differently because I really don't like doing Google Hangouts and Skype. I I really just want a like a old school like I just want a rotary phone with a quarter inch jack on the side, and I feel like that's maybe what he was using. <laughs> I, I think that the odds of that are about a billion to one. Yeah, you're right. He just had a nice phone and a good connection. Um, thank you so much for the call. So there were two things. Yeah. Uh, well, well, a few things. First of all, he's from Idaho. So he's the best. So he's awesome. Obviously. You don't know if you don't, if you've never been in Idaho or if you don't know people from Idaho, <laughs> here in the gem state, <laughs> we have a little thing called pride. <laughs> there's, a, there's about two states that you are allowed to be proud that you're from, and one of them is Texas. The other one's Idaho. That's right. Everybody in Idaho knows the state song. You could ask anybody walking down the street to sing it, and they can sing it for you. That's right. It's amazing. Do they do that in your state? Do you even know your state song? If you're from Idaho or Texas, you do. But anyway, getting back to the matter at hand here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had a few people uh, make the same comment about um, this, the suede strap. It's something that we didn't even think about. And it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because it's the simplest solution. That's the thing. And so much of problem solving and repair is thinking of the simplest solution. And what's funny is that I know somebody who can make you a suede-backed <laughs> that's right. strap. You. Isn't that weird? Um, so that's a brilliant, a brilliant suggestion, one that I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't think of, uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, that will be very helpful to anyone who's combating a neck-heavy guitar. Use a strap that's suede or leather that's nice and wide and it'll grip your clothes better so brilliant suggestion there i love it uh again if you submitted that because i got several emails from right. people so the call took precedence if you submitted that suggestion and you don't hear it on the show that's why so uh his other suggestion was why not use the frets from the end of the neck to replace the worn frets down by the nut. Can I tell you the first thing I, I thought of? Yes. Well, aren't they different lengths the, That's next correct. to the nut and next yeah. to the neck? Yeah. So the, the... the neck is wider down at the end of the neck. So you could use those frets down by the nut and trim them down, but th then you're still going to need frets to replace the the longer frets the longer frets at the end of the neck because those short frets from that are close to the nut aren't going to fit up there so you still would need fret wire you know i really like how you're thinking here and i like your think you know you're coming up you're thinking about solutions and uh i appreciate that i really do appreciate that but in my opinion it's that's not really you're close, though. Here's something that it made me think of. Like, I keep, when I pull frets, I keep them. Oh. I don't throw them away. And I've got a big bin uh, in little tiny Ziplocs will be the frets from a particular guitar. And then if I ever need to go replace just one fret on a guitar that has kind of, that has worn frets or an odd size, wow, I can dig through all of my fret wire and find a pretty good match, usually. That's amazing. Well, especially if it's a really old guitar. You know, a lot of those old guitars have really weird, odd-sized, tiny fret wire with tiny little tangs, and they're, yeah. th you can't buy that fret material anymore. Or, uh, you know, banjo wire. or uh, Yeah, so anyway, I save old fret wire, so um, that's definitely something to do. But, uh, yeah, there's no, I, I think it's, it's just best to, to, uh, just replace the frets that need to be replaced with new fret wire Do, in most cases. Is there a guitar that's the same width at the nut as it is next to the neck? There are a few. Tell me. They drive me nuts. Harmony does that a lot. And, um, Harmony electric guitars from the 60s 
uh, yeah, and it feels weird because as as you're playing up the neck, your hand is used to a neck that that fans out a little bit and gets wider. Right. If you look at some of those, that's like I love Harmony Rockets or Harmony Bobcats. They're so cool, but that's the one the one thing that drives me nuts about them is that the necks don't flare out. They don't get wider down at the heel. So is would that be a valid solution? If I guess so. I've never run into that. Hmm. I've never run into needing to replace the first three frets on a Harmony Bobcat with the last three frets from... I mean, I don't know. It's I guess it it's something to keep in your back pocket that you could, you know... I mean, any any kind of out of the box solution like that is is uh, is worth thinking about. Yeah, it's just problem solving. Which so much of repair is just problem solving and thinking of the easiest solution. Right. I love it. Let's take some uh, emails here. What do you say? Sounds good. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. This is a really long question. You want to split this up? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, you start. Okay. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I recently discovered your podcast and wanted to say thank you for doing what you do. You're welcome. I am a few episodes deep and I've already had so many questions answered. I can't wait to enjoy them all. Sidebar, as a heavy hobbyist audio engineer, I'd also like to thank you for doing a great job of providing high quality audio in your podcasts. (laughs) No echoes, overly bassy voices, and great use of compression. It sounds excellent on my Bluetooth speaker with exaggerated low, my cheap earbuds, and my iPhone speaker alike. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this. You're welcome, and it's taken thousands of dollars of equipment just (laughs) just mountains of equipment here you wouldn't believe i've recently discovered my love for working on instruments in the past few years i've been playing for over 20 years and like many people who can't afford to pay someone else to set up and maintain their instruments i started working on my own with a recent relocation in my life i am toying with a career change I landed a job as a repair tech at a guitar chain store, which shall remain nameless. Hmm. Let's cu- call it Sitar Genter. Sitar, Sitar Genter. <laughs> Sitar Genter. <laughs> you know, the famous guitar box store, Sitar Genter. Yeah, they, they only sell sitars though, right? Yeah. No. The positives of working here are, I have no shortage of customers. I'm actually surprised how many people bring their very expensive instruments in for setups and repair work. The customers have been great, and myself and the other tech do great work, and the customers have been very happy. I think the word has been getting out about our quality and care. Good. I am compensated with medical benefits, which is great for obvious reasons. Yeah. And three... The people who work in the store are awesome, friendly, hardworking individuals. The downsides include a very low hourly rate. Ouch. We are talking about barely over minimum wage. In my opinion, I can't believe that a skilled labor is compensated this poorly. It is simply not a livable wage. And I know that the majority of the techs that work for this company have second jobs to supplement their income. Hmm. Number two, red tape. Getting a corporate structure to supply tools and consumables and necessary necessary supplies to get the work done t- is timely. This can result in increased turnaround times that can be frustrating for both myself and my customers. Yeah. Number three, an hourly cap. I cannot work a minute over 40 hours. For example, despite a 30-instrument queue, I cannot work late in order to play catch-up and reduce turnaround time for my customers. Hmm. I am very much inst- interested in transitioning into creating a business of my own. The earning potential is greater, but most importantly, I can eliminate each one of the problems on my downside list. I'd love to work on my own terms doing something that I genuinely love while giving people their instruments back, playing better than ever than they ever have before. Currently, I have the tools to perform this work at my apartment. However, I do not have the money to lease a brick-and-mortar storefront. So I have a few questions. Question number one. How can I get people to trust me with their instruments? I can tell you that I'm a trustworthy person and would never steal someone's instrument, but as a customer, if you've never worked with me before, how would you know that? Having a storefront and a huge corporate structure provides this trust. How do I establish this if I'm just starting out working out of my home? 
Will having a website, dedicated business card, or LLC help cultivate this trust? Number two, do you have any advice on growing a customer base? While my customers have been very happy with the instruments that they get back, I have a moral dilemma with stealing them away from my store. How do I promote myself without flat-out telling customers that I work outside the store? Creating a conflict of interest. I want to respect the store's reputation and work that they have done to create their own customer base. Number three, I've toyed with the idea of creating my own niche within my local market by being willing to pick up and drop off my customers' instruments for a nominal fee. Do you think this is a good idea, or am I setting myself up for spending more time in a vehicle than at the workbench? Thanks so much for doing what you do best, Anonymous. Oh. Yeah, he asked me to withhold his name. Oh, okay. Anonymous, Sitar Genter. Because he works at employee. Sitar Genter. Yeah. Well, sir, um, a lot to talk about here. Uh, it's obviously, I mean, I did not work at the uh, company that you alluded to, but I've worked for a couple of different retail stores, and, uh, you know, I had similar things thoughts from time to time. Now I'm on my own. So, you know, it was a long-term plan for me to get out on my own. This podcast has been part of that. Part of the reason I started this podcast four or five years ago was that uh, I knew that I was going to branch out on my own and I wanted to be able to reach out to my customers uh, using a vehicle of my own uh, delivery, you know, the podcast. Right. right. I own the podcast. Nobody else can lay claim to it. So I can take it with me when I quit a job, right? So um, I'm not telling you to, to do a podcast. I'm saying that something like that uh, might be uh, a way to do it. Another thing that I've done is I've networked through guitar teachers. That's big. Interesting. Um, because guitar teachers are in contact with guitar players all day and at all levels, you know, from beginner to, uh, I mean, all kinds of people take guitar lessons. You don't have to be a beginner to be taking guitar lessons. I know a lot of intermediate and pro players who they'll go take a lesson to learn something new or to brush up or to, you know, to cross train with a different musical genre or something. So, right. so um, networking through uh, guitar teachers is is a good way to do it. You could also network through other guitar stores, independent guitar stores that that aren't your employer as you branch out. Um, getting the trust, getting people's trust, I, I understand that's difficult. You know, you might want to start collecting testimonials. Right. I was just going to say, have a, some sort of resume that you can... I don't know, post on Craigslist or something. Right. Testimonials. Um, if you have, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of guitar repair guys have kind of a specialty, like winding pickups or making pick guards or maybe making guitars even. You know? Right. So if you have a specialty that, uh, if, something that you really specialize in, um, that can be a way to, uh, you, you know, you promote that as long as, as well as your repair. And, and that, that tends to uh, engender trust, you know, because people see what you're creating and they think, that guy knows what he's doing. Right. Right. What other questions did he have here? Growing a customer base. That's tough. You know... And I understand what you're saying about you don't want to steal your... If if you were to quit your job and go out on your own, you don't want to steal those customers away. It is kind of a moral dilemma. I understand. But uh, you need to find a way for them to find you. So advertising on Craigslist, I've found advertising on Craigslist is pretty huge. I get so many customers um, from people because guitar players are looking that, you know, they'll go on Craigslist and type in the word guitar. Right. 
and then your ad for guitar repair pops up and you've got your face on there as the picture, right? And they go, oh, I know that guy. He used to work at Guitar Center. Right. So um, stuff like that, uh, you know, maybe if there's a local music weekly or monthly, uh, like in Seattle, they had The Stranger, which was a, a weekly independent little, I, I, like a cross between a magazine and a newspaper. Right. But it was a lot of it, it was about music. Half of it was about music and all of the show listings and, you know, all the musicians read it. So I don't know what town you're from. You didn't tell me. But if it's big enough to have the store you work at, then I assume it's big enough to have a uh, a publication like that. So those are just some ideas. You know, obviously, you're going to need business cards and... Uh, an LLC is what I've done. And a website. Website. A Google listing. I get a ton of referrals from my Google business listing. So get a business started, which isn't difficult and isn't expensive. Start an LLC. And then uh, you don't have to... Here's the other thing. Don't be afraid to put your address out there. If you're going to be working from your home, you got to. I was really timid about that at first. I thought I don't want to, I don't want to put my address on the internet, you know, like right. waving a flag. This guy has guitars at his house. You're going to have to do it. You have to. So don't be afraid to publicize your details, your address, your phone number. Another thought I just had was uh, getting your customers to trust you. Having a nice website. It's, it's huge. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. If you have a website that looks like it's from the 90s with like snow falling, people are going to be like, well, this guy's yeah. obviously not with the times. And you might be the best tech in the world. Right. Yeah, but if your website sucks, then good luck, Chuck. Thanks for the question. Oh, I, he's got one more. Oh, he does? Uh, he wants to know if picking up and dropping off his customers' instruments is a good idea. You know, I've thought about that. I don't, personally, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I could absolutely be wrong. You could try it out. You could try it out. Uh, it's almost like Uber for guitar repair, you know? Right. So you could try it out. That's possible. You know, I used to think about, here's an idea I had a long time ago. Now, somebody steal this because I'm never going to use it. A mobile guitar repair, like a taco wagon. Like a taco truck. <laughs> like a Like a food truck, but... A, gu- a guitar setup <laughs> thing, you know? If you if you don't know Eric, you don't know that he... The only place he will eat out is at a taco wagon. He oh, lo- it, I do love taco wagons. A Mexican restaurant won't do. It has to have wheels. Oh, dear, sweet, sweet taco wagon. be able wagon. to move. So the fact that he mm. thought of this and never told me is yeah. very funny. So if you had a mobile guitar laboratory and you parked it outside of guitar shows... You would be raking in money. Yeah, but only for like a day out of the month. I know. I don't know where else you would park. I guess you could park outside of uh, <laughs> Guitar Center. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the moral uh, dilemma right yes, there. Yes, indeed. Thanks for the question. We appreciate it. Dear Eric and Melissa, on a recent podcast, you read an email question from a bass player tired from the weight of his bass, but concerned about how a lighter instrument might have less sustain. Your answer was great. Thanks. I, too, have felt the pain of my bass on my shoulder, but I recently built a mostly hollow bass. I am an amateur builder, read hobbyist, and built this with recycled hardware from a cheap pawn shop bass. Cool. It is way lighter than my solid body bass, but still has great tone and sustain, at least to me. I love playing it, and the whole deal is made even better by the new Melco strap my wife and daughters purchased for me. There you go. Thank you for the encouragement, Dan from Northern California. Right on, Dan. Before you, Dan, when I was making your straps, a lot of my straps turn out nice, but for some reason, your strap, I just, I really, really liked how Can that Can you tell me which out. one that was? That was the one that said, love God, love people. Oh, yeah. And it just turned, it was so simple, and yep. I, I love the simple straps, and they're so beautiful. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dan. I'm going to read the next one just for fun. Sure. 
Eric, I got the neck with the truss rod repair back that you did on my Candy Apple Red 1995 Fender Strat today. If you recall, I'm very fond of this guitar as it is a well played in as as it is well played in and sounds and feels like a good strat should. It has earned a special spot as my go-to guitar. The new truss rod nut and repair are expertly done. This strat has a matching body and headstock color, which is why I just didn't swap out the neck. Some guitars have that certain something and some don't. This one is just a great playing and sounding guitar. You have made it better. It looks better than new. I'm very pleased. Your craftsmanship is top notch. I'm getting embarrassed. Your pricing was more than fair and the whole experience was a pleasant one. Well done, Eric. Very well done. Thank you. Please read this on your podcast. I'm very happy to let people know about the high quality of your work. Cordially, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Greg sent me a neck that needed the, uh, you know, those modern biflex fender truss rod deals where oh. the headstock the the walnut plug has to come out oh yeah sure to replace the nut that's something so that that's, i know about that's what i did on greg's guitar thanks greg i don't want to waste a whole lot of time on that he just wanted me to read it and so i felt obligated to read it thank you greg hi eric and melissa curious to know curious excuse me Curious if you could speak to how truss rods affect necks. I've been teching for a hot minute and have noticed that all necks are not created equal. Mm -hmm. When tightening the truss rod on most necks, they seem to evenly straighten out the relief in the neck. However, I've seen a couple necks that seem to take the relief and create an S-shaped curve where the action is nice in the first position, then it starts to fall away quite a bit around the 7th fret, then curves back to keep that same level of high action from the 12th fret and above. Can you speak to why this would occur? Is this bad wood? Is this a bad tech, i.e. me? Best regards and wishing you a happy new year, Dave. Thanks, Dave. I've noticed that a lot. Guitars with an S curve in them, and there's kind of no way to adjust it out. You can either... There's, like, all you can do is all you can do. I mean, you try to get it as flat as possible. It seems to be most prevalent on guitars with headstock adjust truss rod nuts. When they adjust at the base of the neck, you don't see it as much. So is it the type of wood? I think it's a number of factors, but it's basically um, on a headstock adjust truss rod, it's anchored up by the, like, you know, 15th fret, Uh so... It really is only adjusting the neck from oh. the nut to the 15th fret. And so you get a hump there and then kind of, it, it's just a, I like guitars with heel adjustment. On some guitars, it's not possible. I realize that like, you know, Gibson solid, bod- solid bodies. But uh, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a weird thing, isn't it? The other, the other, Guitars that seem to do that a lot are guitars with scarf joint headstocks, I've noticed. Is that like a Gibson style where it's tilted back? No, it's where there's two pieces of wood and uh-huh. uh, oh. the headstock is a completely different separate piece of wood. From the neck? From the neck I and see. it's attached with a scarf joint. So uh, could you straighten it with a neck straightener? I mean, Yeah, you could if it's got a real bad S-curve... Um, what I'll do is put fall away at the end of the neck, you know? Uh-huh. So you can you could put it in your uh, uh, neck straightening heat press if you have one. I have one. I use it all the time to straighten out neck issues. Um, but that's, what, that's one thing you could do is to cure it with that. Um, but other than that, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do on those. Um, it's just a... Uh, a flaw that you see from time to time and not, you know, obviously not all guitars have it. It's just something that pops up from time to time. Real pain. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That stinks. Thanks for the question. Hi, I've been enjoying this show for some time. Thanks for doing it. I've built one acoustic guitar with reasonable success, but I am very much a beginner in terms of luthiery and repairs. This is why I hate that word. Luthiery. You can't even say it. A friend bought a beautiful 30s harmony some years ago. It suffered from a cracked bridge, and he took it to a well-regarded London luthier repairer who will remain unnamed. Uh Uh-oh. My friend chased up progress several times over the years. Wow. Over the years. 
but pretty much gave up on it. Recently, he was in the area of the Luthier's workshop and popped in on the off chance. The guitar was recovered from the back of the workshop in bits. Jeez. For reasons not entirely clear, she had not made a new bridge, but the neck had been removed and all the frets pulled. Wow. (laughs) She quoted my friend a small fortune to finish the job and refurbish the guitar, and unsurprisingly, after five years, he declined and decided to cut his losses and take the guitar home in bits. Then he sold it to me as I said I'd enjoy doing a refret and could make a new bridge. It arrived with me today, and it is now apparent that it has rather a bigger problem. I've attached photos. It looks like the luthier tried to steam the neck out, but failed. Instead, it appears to have been chopped off with a saw, (laughs) including the steel reinforcing bar, leaving a big chunk of dovetail still in the slot. Yeah. My question is, how best to approach a repair? Is it worth gluing a chunk of hardwood on the end of the neck and then somehow rerouting the dovetail tenon? Tricky, with the fretboard still on, which may be hard to get off as it was glued the same way as the dovetail. Would Would that have enough strength? Alternatively, should I simply build a new neck? Is there some other approach that might work? I assume I'll have to chisel or route out the wood remaining in the slot in any event. Thanks for the show. Regards, Simon in Somerset, UK. Simon, this gives me a headache, man. I feel like that luthier needs a lawsuit. That's, yeah. I mean, that is... I know. I hear stuff like this horrifying. from time to time, though. Isn't that terrible? What kind of drugs do people get into that makes them do stuff like that? I just don't understand. Well, yeah. It's a customer service job. Yeah. And that is... Literally the worst customer service I could think of. Took five years, and instead of doing the work required, just ruined the guitar. Right. It's 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 inexplicable. I saw the photos. I don't know, man. You're up against a uh, a big job there. I mean, someone sawed off the dovetail inside the. So it's the the fingerboard is still intact, is yep. that correct? Uh-huh. But somebody sawed off from the neck heel toward yeah. the front of the guitar right. through the dovetail. Is that yeah. what I Yeah, so the neck is off the guitar, but the dovetail is still in the guitar body. <sighs> That's terrible. You could probably steam that dovetail back out and maybe reattach it to the guitar, but you're going to have to... Uh, you're going to have to dowel it on or something really, something that's really going to hold up. Right. I just can't even imagine. Man, here's a thought. Harmony made a lot of guitars. You might be able to find a donor and, and use a neck, find a neck for that. That's a, that's a Harmony neck that'll fit, that'll work. That's, that's probably the first thing I would do it would be to look for a donor neck on you know on eBay you find you know people will have parts and random things for sale sometimes they'll even have a guitar with a smashed body but the neck is perfectly good yeah maybe be on the lookout for a donor guitar that you can use the neck off of that's similar you know it's a harmony they made a million of them he said it's 30s which that's that's going to be tough to find if it was a 50s harmony no problem yeah. Getting that dovetail out is going to be a pain. Just steam it. Steam it. And yeah. It's hide glue. It shouldn't be. I mean, unless somebody's been in there with epoxy. But Well, who knows what's been I going know. on in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Simon, I wish I had a real clear cut, simple, easy answer for you, but I don't. This is a big, complicated problem you got there, man. Well, that stinks. Yeah, best of luck, man. And if you... Come up with some crazy uh, solutions there and... Uh, Take pictures. We want to see that them. Guitar. Yeah, I want to hear about it and I want to see pictures. Thanks, Simon. Hey, Eric and Mel. Looking, in, looking getting into fret work. I had a question about equipment. Is it best to start with hand tools and fret hammer, etc., or should I just bite the bullet and get a fret press? Thanks, guys. Zach in Ohio. Thanks, Zach. I refretted guitars for a dozen years without a fret press or maybe even more all i ever used was a hammer so you know you could just you could do the hammer i guess it depends on 
how much fret work you think you're going to do and how much money you have to spend. I don't want to tell you to buy a fret press if it means you're going to be eating uh, beans and rice. Right. <laughs> for a few months. I don't know. I mean, if money isn't an issue, buy both. But if if money isn't an is- issue and uh, you're just kind of testing the water, just start out with uh, the hand tools and the fret hammer. That's what I'd say. Thanks, Zach. Let's take a uh, quick break. We'll do a commercial. We'll come right back. Hey everyone, it's Melissa. As many of you may know, I make tooled leather guitar straps. Each strap is cut, carved, stamped, dyed, and finished by hand. My straps are made to last a lifetime. Visit melcoleather.com to check out my designs or contact me with your custom order. Contact me through my Etsy site or melcoleather at gmail.com. Podcast listeners will receive 15% off their order on Etsy when they use code FRETFILES at checkout. melcoleather.com. M-E-L. Leather.com. It's hard for me to talk about the guitars that I make. I feel like I'm bragging or I feel like I'm being a pushy salesman. But I'm not above reading unsolicited emails from happy owners of my guitars and uh, calling it a commercial. Hi, Eric. Hope you are doing well. Just wanted to follow up and say that I love this guitar. The tonal difference in all of the switch positions is amazing. The neck is so fast and straight and it's very light. Most importantly, the pickups are incredible. Any tone is available. Nate. Well, thanks, Nate. I'm so glad that he's happy with that one. Eric, thanks so much for making my favorite guitar. I've owned so many, and I can't figure out why this guitar feels like the one that I've been playing with my whole life, even though I've only had it a month. Thank you, Eli. Right on. You did it again, my friend. Why do your pickups sound so good? <laughs> David. You know, I tell people it's like it's like making a cake. You got to have the right recipe, you got to have quality ingredients, and you have to it all comes together in a certain way. And if you do the wrong thing at any certain step, then you end up with a bad cake. Right. It's like making a delicious, very good sounding cake. Go ahead. Recently purchased the Nitro Blonde pinup custom guitar you made. The intonation, resonance, playability, and that amazing tone in all three coil selections is by far the best I have ever played. I plug in and can't stop playing for hours. I will probably sell both of my other guitars and get another pinup. Thanks, Douglas. That's what I like to hear. Douglas, thank you. And you guys are so nice. You can see these lovely creations at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl, pinupcustomguitars.com. Hey, Eric. Jeff here. Just wanted to pick your brain really quick as I have been curious about this for some time. On the early White Guard tellies, 1955, for example... I have noticed that the blonde finish is usually a lot lighter around the edges of the guitar, almost appearing as a type of burst. What is the cause of this? Was it that the lacquer yellowed over time and the top coat of yellow lac- yellowed lacquer wore away, revealing a lighter original color? Or was there a filler coat applied under the top coats of lacquer? If the- this is a mouthful. Yeah. If the latter, how did the filler coat, which seems more opaque, not obscure the grain in a transparent finish like blonde? I'm sorry if this is confusing. It is something I would like to understand, however. Thank you very much, Jeff Metz Jr. Thanks, Jeff. Um, this is this is the answer. So on 50s Fender Telecasters... They're usually more than one piece of wood. So the body is usually, you know, two piece, sometimes three, sometimes one, but usually a couple pieces of wood. And what they tried to do uh, was obscure the end grain. So the body is a couple pieces of wood. If you looked at the end grain, you would very clearly see the, the joint. Right. If they match the grain pretty well... You don't really see it from the front or the back. So what they would do, they wanted to hide that joint. So they would paint a much more opaque finish around the edges and then a much more transparent finish in the middle. So what you're seeing is... 
over spray? The transition from... Oh, I see. So it's not just a hard line, it's... Right. Yeah, okay. It's kind of blended. So when you look at it straight on, you'll see kind of the... uh, there's, There's basically, they just do more passes of paint around the edges to obscure the end grain. Interesting. They do the same thing on the butterscotch guitars. It just isn't as obvious because of the color of the guitar seems to just kind of uh, carry it, you know. But on the blonde ones, a lot of, especially if you look at blonde strats from the 50s, they'll really have a pronounced kind of burst where it's... Interesting. Where it's more opaque around the edges and less opaque in the middle. So that was just in the 50s and later on they just yeah, didn't Yeah, well... Uh, Blonde finishes in the 60s got less see-through. They just, for some reason, started using way more paint oh. in the 60s. And then, um, you know, some of the reissues have the same thing, but it was something that started in the 50s. And that's the reason. It was to obscure the grain on the edge of the guitar. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I hope you are both well. Quick question. Quick question for the famed Da BS meter. You've obviously had thousands of guitars come across your bench in your time. Can people really tell the difference in sound between the various types of spruce on solid acoustic guitar tops? Do the Martins from the 30s and 40s really sound that much better? Cheers from Jim in the in the middle of summer sunny coast of Australia. <laughs> yeah. It's summer in Australia. Yeah, it's the dead of winter here. Wrap your mind around that, if you will. Um, can people really tell the difference in sound between the various types of spruce on solid acoustic top guitars? Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, do, he says, do Martins from the 30s and 40s really sound that much better? They do, Jim. It, they really do. I've played a bunch of them, and man, they sound good. Is it? It can't just be from the wood, though. It's got to be from the the way they build the guitars, and from the age, and from. That's the... right. That's exactly right. It's a it's a multitude of factors. It's the fact that they were put together with hide glue. It's the way they were braced. It's the way that the brace is. Um, uh, the word is escaping me right now. Uh, they like shape the braces. It's called scalloped scallop oh. braces. They scallop away some of the wood on the braces. That they're really resonant, and um, that it's just a fact that things weren't as overforested back then. So the quality of wood, whether it's oh. Sitka or whatever, you know, doesn't matter. The quality of wood was better because it was old growth. Because it's old growth, and it's put together with hide glue, and it's just a a higher kind of standard of quality made by old school craftsmen. You can tell I'm nostalgic about it, but they really do. They really do sound great. Plus, they've been a guitar for a long time, 75, 80 years now. And I tell you what, <laughs> they really they really do sound good, man. They know uh, what they're I mean, doing by now. They really do sound good. They really do. Now, that's not to say, you know, there's plenty of new guitars that sound good, too. Those old Martins, pre-war Martins, pretty consistently sound great. Uh, but various types of spruce, people can can tell the difference between that. I mean, people claim they that can. Sounds like BS. I mean, my BS meter goes up. It's an unknowable thing because it's so subjective. Yes, I, I mean, yeah, sure, you can claim you can tell the difference, but. I mean, you know, how am I going to prove it? And how are you going to prove it? And how do we, I mean, this is just. Right. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim. And we're very jealous of that. It's sunny in summer, sunny summer. Yeah. Down there. But you know what? Come July, we're going to be, we're going to be nice and warm up here. And does it snow a lot in Australia? I doubt it. It I think Australia is pretty hot all the time. Really? I don't know. I don't know either. I literally know nothing about Australia. Thanks, Jim. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I hope... Oh, wait, that was the same question. I'm so sorry, everybody. 
Let me read the next question. Thank you. <clears throat> hey, guys. Love the podcast. I've been listening for a few years, and it really helps me get through my commute. I'm a hobbyist luthier by night and a reluctant insurance guy by day. Hmm. Oh, dear. My question is, what is it like to work for yourself doing what you truly enjoy? <laughs> I spend my evenings knee-deep in friends' guitars. What do you do in your free time when you do what you love all day? I've always pictured the Dawes repairing guitars and making leather stuff and giving each other high fives all the time. <laughs> but you must have other interests and hobbies, right? I hope someday to get to the point where you are. Thanks. Frank from Minnesota. Thanks, Frank. Uh, you know. No, that's a very nice comment, and I we appreciate it. Uh, but it's, a, it's, it's hard work. You know, I, I gotta say... I really thought that it was going to be a slower pace of life and a little bit more relaxed to come out here to Idaho and work for myself, but... It's been madness. There's so many things that have to get taken care of in a business that you don't have to worry about when you're an employee. Right. All the bookkeeping, all the taxes, all the insurance, all the BS. It's a lot more work. And... um. I'm really, really busy with repairs, and, and uh, I, I'm in the same situation I was in Seattle, where I can't, I'm trying to make guitars, and I can't seem to, uh, I don't know, I just, I don't know how to say no to repairs, I just right. take them all on. Uh, but no, we do, we do a fair amount of high-fiving. <laughs> we do. One, one of our new mantras is, how do you like your new life? How do you like your new life? The other day, we went to a movie. We went to a movie, people. It's unheard of. Um, part of the quality of life improvement for us has been we moved back home where our parents are, and so now we have babysitters for our children, and it's we a occasionally we occasionally have a date, which is pretty good. But that didn't happen in Seattle because we don't trust anybody. What are you going to do? Find somebody on the internet to watch your kids? Yeah, they're probably serial killers. They are. You know they are. Right. Anyway. Um, other than that, uh, I, most of my free time is spent chasing my children around as well as my right. wife. Well, I, I mean, I'm a stay at home mom that I just work part time on leather. Yeah. So 90% of my time is chasing the kids around, but we do have other interests and hobbies, but I don't know what they are. Yeah. What are they? You read a lot. Not anymore. Oh. I don't have time to read anymore. We play cards almost every night. Yeah, that's pretty that. fun. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Frank. Hey, Eric and Melissa, I was listening to episode fifty-two and had a thought regarding the question on how to deal with neck dive. I would suggest. Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> you yeah, included this, this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would suggest trying a suede-backed guitar strap that ha so that it has some grip on your shirt and will be less prone to slide. I have one made by Moody Leather that I like using because when I sit down, the strap doesn't slide off my shoulder like some others do. I'm sure Melissa could make something fantastic in this department. Hope this helps. Best regards, Dan. It does, and I... Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I got several emails, and this one... This is the one I was going to use, and then we got the voicemail. So. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Hey, Eric and Melissa. I discovered your podcast a few months ago, and I'm working my way through them front to back and loving it. So I do a lot of work on my guitars, including setups, fret leveling, crowning, etc. But this particular problem feels slightly above my pay grade. I have a 1959 Harmony Meteor H71 that I love, but the truss rod rattles. I've looked around the internet and have read about several potential fixes for the problem, but none seem to be very easy or straightforward, of course. A couple of them involve injecting foam or dripping wax through the hole at the headstock, but another one involves removing an inlay nearest to the rattle and after removing it, drilling a small hole in the bottom of the inlay route and spraying the wax or foam in through there. That no, sounds don't terrifying. Do that. Don't do that. In one of the previous podcasts, I heard you mention that some Harmony truss rods are not secured or tethered or attached and can actually just be pulled out. If, That's right. If I understood you correctly. Mm -hmm. I've also seen replacement double action truss rods on eBay in various sizes for cheap, if that could work. Can you please 
discuss possible solutions for this problem. I want it fixed, but don't want to end up in your Guitar Horror Stories segment this October. Thanks a lot, and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. Please keep it going. Thank you. Yeah, those Harmony truss rods just slip right out. What you want to do is take the adjustment nut all the way off. And then there will be like a washer, like a half moon washer or something there that's, uh, that you'll also, uh, want to take off. But that, that truss rod, if you grab it, what I do is take some leather and some needle nose pliers and grab the, uh, threads. You don't want to damage the threads is the thing. So that's why I use leather. A thick rubber band would probably work, Yes, too. just anything to protect the threads. And then with the adjustment nut all the way off of the rod, you can pull that thing just straight out of the neck. The whole thing will come out. And then what I would probably do is uh, wrap it in electrical tape or some kind of tape, but electrical tape probably, and then you can put it back in. I mean, really, that's actually a, this is a, a really simple thing. It's no big deal. The risk you run is damaging the threads or damaging your truss rod. But take it nice and easy. Don't get in a hurry. And you and, just uh, you can do it. Fill, but using the tape, you're just filling the void that's in there that's causing no. the rattle. No. So a Harmony truss rod. There's two rods. Okay. And um, they're welded together at one end, and then on the other end. One of the rods stops and comes up against a uh, a washer thingy. Okay. And then the lower rod continues on and has threads on it. Okay. So it's rattling because there's two rods in there. Oh. So you take it out, wrap it up in tape so that it doesn't rattle anymore. Wrap both of the rods together yeah. in tape? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the same thing. That's what they do on... Uh, Rick truss rods. Rick they, truss rods are a similar thing, kind of. Are they? Are these truss rods separated by any amount of space, or is it? Are they right together? It, when they're under tension, they are. Oh, okay. And so my guess is that his truss rod is not under very much tension. Okay. Here's the other thing you could try. Just tighten your truss rod. Tighten it. Tighten it up a little bit. If it's uh, if it's not under any tension, you should be able to get it tight but it's still not affecting the straightness of the neck yet okay you could try that just try tightening it a little tiny bit but my guess is that that's he's probably tried that i mean right i don't know but yeah you can slip that thing right out it'll just pull right out of the headstock and uh, you could wrap it in tape or you could put something in between the two rods or you know just whatever you want to do once it's out of the guitar it's easy to Right. Figure out something to keep it from rattling. That's amazing that he Googled it and all these insane dripping wax. Yeah, people come up with crazy... And they're not talking about harmonies is the thing. Yeah, so a truss rod that stays in the neck. Yeah, if it were a Gibson that the truss rod's rattling, you've got a bigger problem because the Gibson truss rod, you can't just pull it straight out. A (laughs) harmony truss rod is not not anchored in the neck. It'll just come right out. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Thank you for the question. Thanks to everybody for submitting questions and participating in the podcast. We want to keep it going. So you want to send in your questions and comments, you can do that by calling 757-774-8482. Call or text that number. You can also go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and uh, submit your question there. Do you like the show? No. I mean, yes. You should tell a friend. Share it on Facebook, whatever social media platform you use. Instagram, Flickr, Friendster, uh, whatever. Monster, Napster. If you're still using Friendster, there's a problem here. If you have a moment, you could could go to iTunes. You could give us a a good rating. Or AOL. That, That really helps. If you go to iTunes and give us five stars, it helps other people find the show somehow. I don't know how that works, but it's true. And uh, the more listeners we get, the more questions we're going to get, and it's just going to make the podcast even better. So I don't ask for much, but if, uh, you know, if you could help us out, 
it would be awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. We'll see you all in a few weeks. Bye.